each topic we went on, we probably could have talked for like hours on. Brought to you by iLand, this is the Cloud Bytes Podcast, where we've brought together a panel of opinionated cloud customers, providers, and analysts to discuss topics related to how clouds are built, marketed, and consumed. Everyone has different needs in the cloud, so we'll debate the topic at hand, and at the very least, agree to disagree. Our goal is to provide good sound bites about how to manage your bytes in the cloud. And sometimes the best conclusion may simply be that cloud bytes. This episode is all about how customers can benefit from using the cloud to obtain a global presence. My name is Brian Knudsen, cloud technologist for iLand, and will be acting as our moderator for today's discussion. This episode's panel includes a wonderful panel of industry experts with much experience supporting and consuming clouds. Let's start with having each of our panelists quickly introduce themselves with their current role and a soundbite about their initial thoughts about what is important about the global nature of cloud infrastructure. Hey, uh, Daniel Paluzic. I am part of the VMware cloud provider team supporting global VMware cloud providers. And so my opinion is we have what I call this buffet of different cloud solutions and cloud technologies. And our customers and industry and just everybody's trying to get a grasp of how do we approach what I call this multi-cloud or hybrid cloud overall adoption and evolution? And what does that mean to my business and what I require to run uh, my end state? And so I think we've seen definitely this evolution to what are the technologies powering it and how it's actually presented within each region. But at the end of the day, there's still a lot more evolution to happen here and time will tell to see exactly what happens. And quite frankly, I think we're also scratching the surface of what we'll see in the next three to five years. My name is Ben Clayton. I'm a director of DevOps for a company called Company Kitchen. I basically handle all the infrastructure to make sure the developers can uh, do their jobs properly and efficiently. I think the, I mean, the global nature of the cloud is giving people a lot of opportunities to expand their businesses in ways they might not have been able to in the past. And I think we're just getting started on seeing exactly what that means to people. Obviously, with the global pandemic that's going around, there's going to be a lot of industries that have to shift the way they do business. And if that means expanding you know, internationally, they'll have that opportunity now. Thank you, Brian. So yeah, my name is Sam Woodcock. I'm actually dialing in from London here. I work alongside Brian at Island. I've actually been with Island around eight years. I'm currently a Senior Director of Cloud Strategy at Island. So I work with our product and our executive teams, as well as all teams in Island, really to look at what's next from our side and also evolve our current cloud offerings. Uh, so it's a pleasure to be on the podcast today. I mean, when I think about global, I kind of think about business in general as global. Organizations want the right user experience for their customers and users. That means being closer to those users and customers. So I think from my side, uh, the nature of global cloud is, is great for organizations looking to enter in new markets, looking to reduce their risk when they go into those new markets, and also really provide that great service and experience for their customers. And the other thing that I generally think about with global cloud is really, when I've had conversations in the past with organizations, it's really about ensuring data sovereignty. That's a big topic I think we'll touch on today. But a lot of organizations need to meet regulatory and compliance needs. And really, that's achieved by making sure that their data, their cloud is sat within the relevant region for their organization. Uh, this helps them go to market, right? So that's a, a big area of global cloud to me. Excellent. Thank you all for joining me. 
Many businesses are going through digital transformations and using technology to better their business. Like Ben mentioned, today's an extreme example of that with the coronavirus pandemic going on. And most of the time, cloud technologies are at least part of what is getting considered. At the same time, going more digital opens up possibilities to reach well beyond local and regional areas. The two together can significantly change the way business is conducted and how customers are supported. There are many decisions to consider if going down this path. Not having to investigate and build out a data center with locations, facilities, and all the international headaches that that can provide is one obvious advantage to using a global cloud provider. Ben, how much does this play into customers' decision-making? Um, I don't think it really plays a huge part into the decision-making for picking a cloud provider. I think a lot of people, when they're starting out, they're just looking for a reason to get into the cloud. And you know they pick their provider for different reasons. Either their employees are familiar with one, the price. And I think once they make that decision, the global aspect of it is kind of like a second or third step. I think it definitely gives people the opportunity to evolve their business. A lot of people aren't going to be able to you know, tap into a new market and immediately have the money to build out a new data center. Get into new markets with uh, a lot easier, uh, cheaper, and you know, test out your global strategy that way. Hey, Brian, uh, I'll add on to Sam's comments here. I think that Sam touched on a few points, but you know, the one thing I'm having customer conversations with and how they interlock with cloud providers is it really comes down to what is their aspirational goals. Typically, they're going to work in the locality that maybe their business operates initially and then align with what is their leadership say? Where are we going directionally, right, on that can we work with this cloud provider to power these business requirements that translate to how we're actually approaching the technical solution? But, you know, the key message that I hear, quite frankly, you know, talking to VMware customers is we want to get out of the physical data center business. We shouldn't be managing that. That's not our forte, right? We should be focusing on our business operations first and foremost, and then work with a partner that can help us provide these transformations and help us operate a cloud environment could be in my region could be in my nation or you know going to a different country yeah and from my perspective right if you look at evaluating a data center globally it kind of seems pretty simple but if you actually kind of deep dive into the evaluation of a data center facility really there's quite a lot for a customer to think about if they want to do right by their business and right by their users right there's a lot around obviously security and access compliance, the resiliency of the facility, the power redundancy, temperature control, all these things that go ins and outs with choosing a data center. But things like how well is it going to expand, right? Are there any risks in the surrounding area? What does it look like if, for example, there's an emergency happen, like we're seeing today in terms of limiting the remote access to those facilities? How are they going to cope with that if, for example, they need fuel for their generators. What contracts do they have in place to actually facilitate kind of fueling that data center in that emergency? So there's a lot of kind of deep level evaluation criteria that goes with actually looking at a data center that can take time for an organization, right? And if they look towards a cloud provider, that's going to save them a bunch of time because if they look towards a trusted cloud provider, they'll have curated those attributes already. They've made the right bet with the data centers, right? And really allowing them to really simply consume the cloud aspect, the compute, limiting their risk, and really 
for someone like Ireland, right, we've gone through that process around 11 times. We're in 11 data centers globally. Our recent one was Toronto. But it can be kind of a, a time-consuming process. Once you've got that right, you have a really firm ground to build your applications and your workloads. But it is a key point, right? Do you want to have the headache of working out all the logistics of that or simply consume the resources you need it where they're already in place with a cloud provider globally? So I think that's a really important point. And I think just generally using a cloud provider is interesting, right? If you look at a single location, but in my opinion, evaluating the ability for that cloud provider to provide global services is critical because as I think we're going to go into it, there's a lot of advantages to standardizing on a specific cloud provider globally, things like support and SLAs and, and management, which we'll go into deeper. But it's important to make that choice right at the start to make sure that your business can expand with that provider as you need it as well. Yeah, anyone who's put together a data center at any level, even if it's just moving into a co-location facility, knows how how much effort goes into it and even migrating the equipment aspect of it is a huge project I've been involved in a couple different times. So it's no small feat at that perspective. And the experience that cloud providers have with moving customers in and arranging all the things like compliance and redundancy can help customers not only take care of it for them, but also help guide them in ways that maybe they don't have the experience, but still have the responsibility to get set up, especially when you think about the compliance and the security aspect of things. Daniel, when it comes to choosing cloud providers that when you know you're going to need that global presence, what are some of the advantages and disadvantages that you see the providers you work with what are they providing to the customers when they need to cross country or continent boundaries? Yeah, I think the number one advantage to working with the same cloud provider across international space is that same uniform operating experience that I would receive if I'm in the United States, inside of Germany, inside of South Korea, for example, right? I know exactly what I'm going to get. I know what services that I'll need to operationalize, and I'll know what I need to do and what I'm responsible for as the end tenant or end consumer of these said services. The disadvantage of working with different cloud providers is the opposite, right? What is that operating model? What am I responsible for? So while there may be considerations for that, there may be a cloud provider specifically in a specific country that has unique value that I may want to adhere to or consume, I need to be aware of those key differences between my multi-cloud providers. And you know, from VMware and our cloud provider space, we have over 4,300 cloud providers in the program, which if we look at that from a relational perspective, that constitutes about 10 million workloads across the global landscape that our cloud providers are managing or providing some kind of value add to their end tenants for that. So those are the key aspects I see with advantages and disadvantages. But again, you know, the thing that I see that are making those global cloud providers successful is that same or similar operating model wherever I get a service from. And I think that's key for tenants that are looking or qualifying different cloud providers. I would definitely agree with that, right? Starting off with that common experience, not only from a management interface perspective, right? It's important to evaluate the cloud providers based on can they provide you a single kind of unified interface 
that sits alongside the cloud infrastructure that allows them to manage that infrastructure globally with a common skill set, a common training mechanism, a familiar experience, right? That's going to be critical to the IT team when operating the cloud. I also think, right, commonality of support model, understanding the SLAs that are provided, having a common SLA that backends the availability of the platform, having kind of a standard operating procedure of having 24-7, 365 support, really critical, obviously, if you're running your mission-critical systems in the cloud. I think I've seen, traditionally from my perspective, working as a solution architect with a lot of our customers, really, they start off with one region, but they see the benefit of that solution. And if they can standardize on technology, not only from a software and a hardware perspective, that provides not only consistent performance, but also consistent experience so that their global IT team can operate in the same manner. They can provide the same level of data protection, disaster recovery, infrastructure as a service. I think that standardization, in my opinion, saves a lot of time and money uh, and consistency for the company. I think also having a common compliance and security platform really helps, obviously, meeting those specific needs of a business. One of the points I didn't mention, obviously, I think which is critical when evaluating kind of a global cloud provider or data center is really looking into the carrier neutrality of that data center. What carriers are available in that data center? Are those same providers available in a different data center operated by that cloud provider? Because as we dig into it, right, having a common networking schematic, a common way of connecting from one cloud to the other or between environments is critical. And often when you get to the multinational organizations, they've made investments with connectivity providers that they trust that provide them the support they need, and they want to leverage those same providers globally if possible to really streamline their operations. I think that's a really critical component to get the advantages when you're operating a global cloud solution. And from a small business point of view, I think it's uh, incredibly advantageous to you know have the same provider just because you know the employees are going to be asked to do you know more with less, and you know, aren't going to be able to learn the ins and outs of all the different providers. And you know, being able to support your international business with you know, the same provider, I think is definitely beneficial. I think once you move past that and then grow into a medium to large enterprise business, I think there's certain advantages to finding specialized cloud providers in, in different regions. But I don't think that's a real concern for a lot of the small to medium-sized businesses right now. I think one of the other things that I might add as well, Brian, right, is look at pricing, right? Organizations are looking for easy to predict, easy to utilize, very simple pricing that they can understand and they can budget for and that's predictable. And I think, obviously, it can be advantageous to use a couple of different providers for different use cases, different applications or specific compliance requirements or data sovereignty where it makes sense. But if you can standardize as much as possible in terms of the number of providers that you deal with, you can really standardize that pricing model, make it easy to predict, budget and utilize as well. So I think really a critical evaluation criteria when you look towards kind of the global nature of cloud. Yeah, the pricing one's an interesting one because that's kind of one of those soft business things that we as technologists oftentimes don't always consider. Businesses oftentimes don't even consider because they're relying on the technology team to make such decisions. So I'm glad you brought that up because pricing is one aspect of it. We talked about the compliance piece of things can be a big part of it as well. That you know, having one company to work with as opposed to five companies to work with on each continent might might make compliance things easier, might make all that data that you need to gather during an audit more difficult. Definitely. I mean, if I look at one of the things that I encountered maybe as a disadvantage, just to add one of those, right? When I was working with a lot of organizations in the UK who are in the financial services industry, the financial services authority were kind of putting language within their kind of documentation around the fact that they were really recommending vendor diversity in that space for the financial services side. 
I think from my experience just in the last eight years, there's been a lot of cloud providers that have entered the business or traditionally companies that haven't operated cloud services that tried to get into cloud services as a line of business rather than their primary business. And then they've kind of left the business um, because they haven't made kind of maybe the revenues or seen the growth that they're looking for. I think it's really critical when evaluating a provider to look at their financial stability. How are they funded? What does the stability look like from a financial perspective? And obviously evaluating that can help you make the right decisions in terms of where to put your data and also looking to whether you need to have some level of vendor diversity. Maybe, for example, that you have your production in one environment with a VMware-based cloud provider, but you also have disaster recovery with a different provider to provide that level of company-level diversity from a financial perspective as well. Yeah, I think that's a um, great point, Sam, on the risk mitigation, right? Understanding the company dynamics, the history, what they provide. I will say in terms of a lot of cloud providers I see, they may have evolved over time, you know, provided co-location services, network services, traditional telco, and now have provided cloud services, right? So I think that also brings into consideration that partnership with the end customer. Like, could they help them with not just cloud services? Maybe this is a telco provider, right? And help out with wireline connectivity, right? So there's some definitely interesting dynamics I see from a 30,000 foot view across every different region, right? And regional specifics that do work and do gel based on those factors. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that one. I mean, looking at other challenges, right, you always have to be evaluating the support organization within a company. I mean, myself and Brian obviously work for Island, and, and one of the things that we really kind of try to achieve at Island is from the very start, from a pre-sales perspective, is working in partnership with an organization. And that really involves from pre-sales, passing it through to deployment and all the way to support, having that continuity from a design, implementation and support perspective is critical. And really seeing what that support experience looks like, because a lot of the customers that we speak to have the experience from a VMware perspective. They use the technologies that Island has leveraged, but really there's always going to be challenges with IT. And it's really who can you get a hold of um, to help you along the way with that? It really goes some way to build that trust and also can I have a really healthy relationship between the provider and the customer. So I think, obviously, uh, if, for example, you're working globally with a single provider and maybe you're not so happy with the support experience, then that can obviously be a challenge because you may be impacted by that globally. So, again, it's really critical for organizations to be evaluating what does support look like, not only in pre-sales, but what's the post-sales experience look like? Are they kind of committed to, to working with me and helping me through running my systems in the cloud? Yeah, very much so. And Sam, you touched on this a little bit, but I wanted to dig deeper into, as you consider building out a global infrastructure, whether it be with a single cloud provider or multiple ones to get that diversity or those unique experiences in those specific regions, can you talk a bit about the connectivity piece and what kind of technologies customers should be prepared for or looking for that allow these sites to be connected? You know, for example, is cross-site connectivity a default for a lot of cloud providers? Or is that something that no matter whether you pick one or many, you're going to have to deal with regardless? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a great question. And to me, uh, working in the field, working with customers day-to-day in terms of design, to me, connectivity is the critical component of cloud, right? It's all great to have the performance, the availability, all of the things that people know and love around the cloud. But unless you have the connectivity aspect resolved and designed, 
then it can uh, result in a kind of maybe a painful experience for the users of the organization or the customers of the organization. So I think if I was going to rank anything, connectivity would be top of mind, in my opinion, when evaluating cloud providers. Now, to your point, cloud providers globally offer different models. Some of the major cloud providers in the industry maybe offer default connectivity between zones and regions within their wider ecosystem uh, by default. They also offer single zone models as well. That can be great for some use cases, but not great for others. At IOM, we took a choice to make the connectivity of our data centers a choice for our customers. The reason that we did that primarily is if you go back to what I was talking about originally around data sovereignty, where potentially you need to make sure and guarantee to the organization or stakeholders that your data resides within a specific region and there's no data movement between that region and another, it's very helpful to say, for example, if you don't need that our data centers are not connected by default to each other. Right. But if an organization has the need from an application perspective or an overall solution perspective to have data flowing between one island data center and another, you can definitely achieve that. We have the options and the choice to facilitate that. And we believe that's the best option for organizations because not all applications need that connectivity. And if they do, we have that choice for the customer to pick the relevant technology to make that happen. Right. And I'll give you a few examples. One of them would be maybe you're hosting production in London uh, and you want disaster recovery to a second facility. That's a use case where you do want connectivity between the primary and secondary cloud environments. Uh, and to achieve that, there's just from speaking from the island perspective, there's a whole variety of options for customers to leverage, right? And we believe that when it comes to networking, having choice and having freedom of those decisions is really critical to making those decisions, right? So one of our standard options that we generally see is just enabling pure VPN technologies. So leveraging VMware NSX, for example, to form IPsec VPN tunnels between environments is a very simple and effective way to transit data from a primary to disaster recovery perspective. But we also see customers leveraging the L2 VPN from NSX, things like MPLS, direct circuits from their own connectivity providers to provide kind of a common framework across their cloud locations. We've also seen people using things like global load balancing for their applications where they want to run virtual machines hot within both their primary and secondary facilities and have that global load balancing solution decide where that traffic flows. And that's a really good mechanism for allowing that traffic to go to the relevant workload. And I think one of the emerging technologies and the technologies that we see a lot of organizations researching and putting in place is obviously things like SD-WAN as well, right? Velo Cloud acquired by VMware, I've seen a lot of my customers moving to that solution and that's really helped them simplify how their users connect to the cloud. But I think really important back to my point is at Island, we allow the customer to choose whether they run a virtual or a physical appliance, whether they run their own kit or whether they use one of our standard options. And we work with them from a design perspective to achieve what they want to do as an organization and work hand in hand. And I think to me, that's critical and really blend up with the solution that the customer is looking for. I think to add to Sam's point there, that's the value a solid cloud provider can present and provide to their own customers is that choice and that flexibility based on how they run the business. So especially in today's current situation, you know, the biggest thing is application accessibility, right? What powers my business and can I ensure that I have availability of this end application to run my business across the board? That's point number one. And that surpasses speeds and feats of the infrastructure or how I access maybe a user interface or API. If I can't access my application, I can't run my business, I'm dead in the water. 
right? And so I think network availability is always top of mind, as Sam alluded to. So, and I think you mentioned a couple technologies, you know, I see a whole variation of it, but it's also about how do I access it from really any type of device, right? And, you know, what I'm seeing more often is now cloud providers are saying, well, how do I actually provide end user accessibility from my smartphone or a tablet or a traditional laptop or PC on that, ensure that I have that same type of operating model across the board and do this in a secure, scalable manner, right? And I think that's point number two is ensuring security is top of mind when we talk about any type of threat vector or prevention of any type of security risk. If I'm going to open this up to, let's say, WAN or internet connectivity, right? What is my risk profile for this? How do my users access this securely while not impeding them from accessibility in that experience? So those are a lot of the conversations I'm seeing even right now in the past couple of weeks has really focused on, well, how do we provide secure remote access to these applications or my data centers in a scalable manner. I think that's really important, right? Obviously, with the current kind of situation in the world today, right, more and more organizations obviously working remotely. Island is completely remote at this present time as well, right? And so providing that remote access is critical. But to your point before, doing it at scale, but also offering scalability so that you can start small and scale up as needed, that's really critical for a lot of organizations in these times today. I think what's also critical is just, again, the simple aspect, right? What does the bandwidth look like to that cloud provider? What will I get in terms of connectivity? And what does the latency look like so I can pick the right location that best services the majority of my users? We have tools internally that allow you to gain access to that information. But I think looking at all of those basics and also looking at kind of the overall solution in its entirety lead to the best results for these types of customers and organizations. Well, I think we're definitely at a point where, you know, if you're going to be a global cloud provider, you're going to at least have to offer between site connectivity by default in some manner, because it'd be hard to take a company seriously that doesn't at least have some kind of solution for between site transfer. I think it was Dan that was saying that ultimately the most important thing is you know, end user experience and you know the data transfer, the ability to get the information at, at every point globally is huge. And I think that's a huge factor in you know, picking a provider. To add to that, I think that some of the innovative cloud providers are not just saying, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Customer, we'll help you, we'll adopt these into our managed service portfolio, but are also saying, well, how can we actually help you evolve how you actually operate your infrastructure today? How are you guys accessing that? And having those open-ended conversations to say, apply technology to solve maybe some of those business or technical challenges, right? Rather than just saying, lift and shift it to my data center? How can we transform this to actually operate better, more optimally, access it better, scale it, and so forth? Yeah, and I think that's going to be huge moving forward. I mean, I have no idea what the economy of tomorrow is going to look like, but I just know that things are going to change drastically. You know, once we get through this pandemic and you get to the other side, there's going to be so many companies that are out of business and so many people that are forced to innovate and do things a different way. And I think that, you know, the the cloud provider that you choose and partner with is going to be crucial in being able to innovate and and be quick to market. Yeah, I think that's a great note to end on. So real quick in summary, just to give everybody kind of a nice wrap up of what we talked about, 
the global nature of business is oftentimes comes as a secondary or even tertiary decision to moving the cloud. So customers tend to choose to go to the cloud for a lot of different reasons. Global may be one of those, but oftentimes is not the driving factor, but can definitely enable that better global presence. As customers are looking towards using cloud to make a global presence, there are a lot of advantages to using a single provider, whether it be the interface you have into that, uniform SLAs, the pricing model becomes consistent, operating model becomes consistent, all make the management of that cloud simpler which is especially good for small businesses that have to do more with less and can't necessarily afford to spend the time learning multiple different cloud interfaces and the way that they operate. But when you look at you know, reasons to have multiple cloud providers, bigger organizations have that bandwidth. There are also specialized cloud providers out there in a specific region that may provide certain local advantages that a global provider may not be able to provide. And you know there are many of those types of unique advantages that can be brought in. And just having multiple providers sometimes can be a risk mitigation factor for a lot of customers. Scalable and secure remote access and connectivity to that cloud, of course, is critical. And to provide that, there's a lot of different models. Some providers may provide that inherent where everything is just automatically connected, while others may choose to make that an option that they can provide. And even others may not provide anything there, make it completely on the customer. So Make sure that as a customer, you're looking at what they provide, what you need, and make sure that you can build a solution that's going to work there because ultimately choice is going to be critical to having the flexibility for the solution that you need. And when you look at cloud providers, I fully support the opinion of partnership is important. You're putting a lot of trust into that provider. So make sure you're comfortable with them. Make sure you're comfortable with how they're doing things, how they're connecting things. They have all the proper things in place to give you what you need. And that goes all the way from SLAs to the actual equipment that they're using. And having those open-ended conversations with your providers allow both you and that provider to make adjustments to better work together to provide a better solution overall. So definitely have those conversations and lean towards providers that can work with you to give you exactly what you need. So with that, let's finish off this episode of the Cloud Bytes podcast. Thank you to Ben, Daniel, and Sam for a great conversation. Also, thanks to Island for making this podcast possible. Please check out the episode notes, panelist contact information, further information about this topic, and all the other episodes at cloudbytes.cloud. You can also find our episodes on your favorite podcast app. If you found this content useful, we'd appreciate you sharing with your friends and colleagues and rating us on your favorite podcast platforms. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Cloud Bytes podcast. Stay safe, everyone.